0: privileged to have uh, Harold Giesbrecht speak to us today He's, his sermon topic is going deeper so god bless you as you speak harold Well it's indeed a privilege to be here with you in Killarney Mennonite Church today and so thank you for the opportunity, thank you for your support of uh, our ministry uh, both financially and uh, through your prayers and uh, we're just uh, delighted to be here uh, with you this morning. My message is entitled Going Deep and uh, I know that here in Killarney Mennonite Church I think generally there's there's different kinds of sermons. I think here, Pastor Danny generally preaches expositional sermons. I think that's pretty accurate, right, Where, where he'll look at a text and explain what it means and apply it, right? Is that generally what you get here? Yeah, excellent. Those are the best kinds of sermons. Okay, I'll just be right up front. Those are the best. You get the cream of the crop right there with expositional sermons. Some people... Uh, some preachers use um, Jericho sermons, okay? And I may have shared this with you last time. A Jericho sermon is where a preacher preaches around the subject seven times, okay? So that's, that's a Jericho sermon, okay? Now, I hesitate to share the next one, but take this with a bit of a grain of salt. The Longhorn sermon, okay? Some preachers preach Longhorn sermons. A point here, a point there, lots of bull in between, okay? <laughs> I may not get invited back, <laughs> And then some preachers preach airport sermons. An airport sermon is where the preacher takes off, and he's up in the air for a while, and then he brings it in for a landing, hopefully just right around around 12 noon, okay? And I'll, I'll confess to you as I start, today's message is going to be a little bit of an airport sermon, okay? This picture was taken in November as we were flying from Vancouver to Victoria for our personnel conference, okay? We had flown on a 737 from Winnipeg to Vancouver, and then from there we got in this little puddle jumper to go across the channel, and uh, we took off. And because it's such a short flight, we're only in the air for about half an hour or so. And the whole time, we're in the clouds, okay? We weren't even didn't even get enough altitude to get past the clouds. And this morning's message might be a little bit like that as well. You might be like, oh, I can't see where this guy is going. We're kind of in the clouds this morning. <laughs> but anyway, so this morning, like I said, it, it might be a bit of an airport sermon. So I trust you'll, uh, you'll kind of work with me on that. Well, this autumn... I learned everything I wanted to know, and then some, about wells, like water wells. Um, we, had, we had an issue at our place, um, our water pump would run every 8 minutes, it would run for 15 seconds, okay, day and night, you know, all of a sudden just, you know, 15 seconds later it shut off. 8 minutes later it would run again, day and night, day and night kind of thing. So I thought, Houston, we've got a problem, you know. And uh, some of you may recognize the name Bernie Duick. We go to the same church as Bernie and his wife, Marie. He uh, used to be our provincial director of CSSM back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, and uh, so I talked to Bernie and actually Orville and Georgetta Jazz. I don't know if you recognize that name. They also, we also attend the same church as them. Um, but I talked to Bernie and I said, Bernie, I think, I think our hot water tank is going to blow up on us. And he's like, oh, what's it doing, you know? And I told him, you know, just, you know, every eight minutes, the pump runs and stuff. He said, oh, it's your foot valve, you know. And if you know anything about Bernie, if he tells you it's your foot valve, it's your foot valve, okay. So he was kind enough to take a day, and he came down and, and uh, had this, uh, you know, basically we worked on, on pulling the, the thing <laughs> out, of, out of our well to, to get down to that foot valve to replace the foot valve. Well, this is what we found. Uh, basically, this is called, I forget what this is called, actually. But anyway, it's, it's what they're supposed to be is two hoses, okay? And they go way down into the ground, and up comes your water. Kind of one goes down, pushes water down, the other pulls water up. I don't know how that works, but it works, okay? But when we pulled it up, we only got one hose. So that was rather problematic. So you cannot run a deep well pump with only one hose. And, and I, I don't want to bore you with all the details of this mechanical thing, but just to explain what we're dealing with, our system was kind of like the one... Uh, on the right there uh, which was supposed to have two hoses going way down into the ground and then what's uh, a jet ejector or venturi and then a foot valve those of you on the farm you probably know what I'm talking about Uh, the rest of you probably don't care but anyway (laughs) Uh, so anyway so we had a problem we had one hose still down below there the venturi was down there the foot valve we couldn't get anything past there and stuff and we're like oh what are we going to do so I called this well expert you know so he comes down the next day and, and he had all kinds of contraptions I mean it was kind of a an inventor's dream kind of this guy had all the tricks in the in his bag kind of thing and he tried for three hours and finally said you know what i can't get those the rest of it up i can't get the venturi up can't get you know it's all stuck you know 40 50 60 feet down below he said you need a new well and if you know anything about wells they are expensive expensive to drill and so he said uh, Eight thousand bucks we'll get you going and later on we had quotes of twice that but anyway I talked to different friends and I'm like, you know, our well worked fine. I was going to say our well worked well, but anyway, uh, our our well worked fine till now. So, you know, what's the deal? So, uh, friends of ours said, well, how deep is your water? And I had measured uh, from the, the pump level to the water level was 18 feet. They said, oh, you know, you can run it as a shallow well pump, okay? And so that's what you have on the left where you just run one hose down as long as you're within 25 feet, you're good to go. And I don't know how deep the water is here at Killarney, but at our place, uh, well, long story short, it was deeper than that. So we, uh, we ran it for a while. Uh, we flicked on the switch and and the water started to run. We're like, yay, you know, our water's running. We turned on all the taps and stuff and all this water spewing out, It's all this grimy, yucky, dirty water. I'm like, oh, and then it ran out. You know, we're like, oh no, what are we gonna do, you know? So I called up a a well buddy of mine, a well expert. He and his brother used to drill wells. And so he came down and uh, and we uh, couldn't work it as a shallow well. So we went down to 40 feet. We're able to get down to 40 feet with what we had there and uh, turned on the water and the water started to run. like, yes, we've got it, you know. And we sat down for supper, and we're rejoicing kind of thing. And all of a sudden, I checked, and the water stopped running. We had run out of water. I was like, oh, no, you know. And um, so I said to this well-drilling expert, I said, do you think we'll need a new well? He said, I've got one more trick. I was like, okay. So he came down another time, and he had this big bar, this big heavy bar with 60 feet of rope, and we dropped that thing down our well all afternoon. Boom, you know, pulled up the rope, you know, boom. We managed to move everything down about 10 or 12 feet, put the uh, venturi, the foot valve down at about 70 feet, turned on the water, and I tell you, friends, I've never been so happy to see water run, and it's still running, so we can shower. Aren't you glad? You know, we sure are. LAUGHTER but anyway, uh, I, I just thought this morning, uh, I'd like to share with you some of the lessons I learned from that experience, and then we're going to end up in the passage that, uh, that Vern read a, little, read a little earlier. I thought, you know, there's no point in me learning all the lessons by myself if, you know, if we can all learn some together. All right, first thing I learned was the amazing design, the amazing design that our Creator made. Did, did you know that our human bodies are approximately 60% water, okay? We are mostly water as human beings. And did you also know that below the surface of the ground, basically everywhere on the planet, you can find, guess what? Water. I mean, and, and you guys are farmers, most of some of you and stuff, so you know that you've drilled wells and stuff. And I kind of knew it, but it never dawned on me like it did with this experience that everywhere in the earth, uh, even at the Sahara, even below the Rocky Mountains, you drill down far enough, you will find water water. And I don't know, um, you know, what your thoughts are. I know there's a very popular thought that that there was this big bang and everything just happened. But to me, it's like, wow, the fact that we are mostly water and that that our world is designed that anywhere on the planet, you drill down and you're going to find water. To me, I thought, if that's a coincidence, you, my friend, have more faith than I do, okay, you know, I just thought, wow, what an amazing thing that our creator would think ahead, think, you know, hey, I'm going to make these people like this, and I'm going to give that vital resource just below the surface of the ground, you drill down, you know, 20, 30, in our case, 40, 50, 60 feet, some places, hundreds of feet, And there you find water. I just thought, Lord, you're absolutely amazing, you know. And the Bible talks about that in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so I was just amazed that God had designed this world with that vital resource just below the surface awaiting us. So, yeah, lesson number one. Lesson number two is don't let the sludge in. Don't let the sludge in. Like I said, when we put that uh, the pipe down to about 24, 25 feet and turn on the switch, water starts running. We opened all our taps. I didn't know that when that happens, when you've kind of stirred up your well, uh, I think it's called tailings or something like that. Is that something like that? There's a bunch of junk in the water, and you need to just kind of run that on your lawn and not. You know, not run it all through your house or your water softener, your hot water tank stuff. So anyway, so we turned all the taps. We didn't know that. So we got the sludge all over our plumbing system, okay? So now once in a while, we'll turn on our bathtub or whatever, and all of a sudden, you know, all this dirt will kind of jump out at us. It's just like, oh, oh, no, you know, kind of thing. So don't let the sludge in. And I thought, you know, there's a lesson in our lives as well. That sometimes the things we read, the things we look at, the things we listen to, you know, it goes into our minds. It goes into our hearts. And then all of a sudden, we get bumped in life. Maybe someone cuts us off in Killarney gridlock traffic or something like that, you know. And we say things and we do things and we wave a certain finger maybe or something like that. And we're kind of like, oh, where did that come from? It's kind of like garbage in, garbage out. So don't let the sludge in. Uh, I think it's in Proverbs. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart For out of it flow the issues of life. The things we watch, the things we look at on the internet, things we listen to, that will eventually come out of our mouths. So we need to guard what we allow into our hearts. Third thing I learned is deeper is better. Okay? I mean, we could put that well, we could put that uh, venturi, that foot valve down at about 24 feet, and we could get about six gallons of water, you know? And it's like, okay, well, you know, that be, might be enough to water a few flowers or something like that. I mean, the water was too sludgy to drink or anything like that, but, you know, maybe you could do something, maybe, you know, uh, do some basics. But, um, and I kind of thought, you know, sometimes that's like our relationship with God. You know, how sometimes we're, we're in such a rush that we kind of start our day and we kind of say, okay, well, I'm going to quickly read my favorite verse, John 11:35. Jesus wept, okay, you know, and, and we, you know, we, we rush off into our day kind of thing, and we, you know, it's kind of like that shallow well experience, and now, the analogy breaks down in that never in looking into God's word or fellowship with, with the Lord will it be yucky, murky water. Okay, that's, that's where the analogy breaks down. But uh, other than that, if we're just kind of in a rush in our relationship with God, we'll never grow deep and experience all the riches that are ours in Christ. If, uh, for example, those of you that are married, if your relationship with your spouse every morning just consists of, hey, good morning, love, and you're out the door and you never talk during the rest of the day, what kind of relationship will you have? So sometimes that's how we are in our relationship with God. We maybe just, you know, kind of read a verse and rush off. Maybe we don't even, you know, we're just kind of like, oh, help, Lord, through this day, you know. And instead of saying, good morning, Lord, we say, good Lord, morning, kind of thing, you know. And uh, so sometimes that's how we are in our relationship with God. But then when we dig down deep, maybe we go to, to that 40-foot level where we're able to get 16 gallons of water, you know. You know, maybe, you know, we sit down and read a chapter a day and, you know, maybe we've got our kind of prayer, uh, you know, thing that we do, you know, or, or, you know, recited prayers perhaps or whatever. You know, hey, we'll grow a little bit, but man, it's when we dig down deep into God's word, when we uh, just really spend time in... in um in, in deep meditation in his word and, and maybe you know, going on prayer retreats where it's just you know, me and the Lord and I just want to listen Lord to what you want to say to my heart you know, I want to meditate on your word I want to get to know you more that's when we really uh, dig deep and tap into um, who God is it's kind of, like, kind of like the miners right? the more they dig the more they find and uh, our relationship with God can be that way Uh, Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How often do we do that? How often do we just kind of say, okay, you know what? I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to turn off Facebook. I'm going to, you know, unplug the phone or whatever. And I'm just going to stop and wait on God. I just want to hear what God is going to say to my heart today. And we don't do this to try and manipulate God. You know, well, if I pray that much harder, if, we, if, if I study God's word longer, you know, maybe God will finally do things my way. It's just to get to know Him better and uh, grow deeper in our walk with Him. How deep do you desire your? relationship with God to be? Do you desire just a shallow, you know, just kind of, just a little sprinkling, maybe get your lips wet in the morning? Or you desire to to dig deep into God's word where he can just, uh, his word kind of flows through you, where his spirit just directs you and guides you and, uh, and kind of is a, a, a determining factor in your life? Uh, Vern read, uh, actually, uh, uh, I was going to go to Jeremiah too, but first uh, Psalm 1 talks about this as well. It says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And there's a promise. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he, do, uh, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So there's a blessing as we dig deep into God's word that we, as we delight in His Word and do things His way. In Jeremiah too, as Vern read, there's a, uh, a passage that's uh, kind of challenging to us. And I know you've been kind of studying uh, the prophets, and this is kind of the earlier part of Jeremiah, the prophet. And it's something that that uh, I want to share with you this morning because I find, as I look at uh, so much of our culture, perhaps so much of the church today, this is kind of where we are in a lot of ways. Uh, Jeremiah 2, starting at verse 4, hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters? Neither did they say, where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed and where no one dwelt? I brought you into a bountiful country, that's God talking about how he brought his uh, children out of Egypt and into the promised land. To eat its, its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. And prophets prophesied, the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coasts of Cyprus and sea, send to Keter and consider diligently, and see if there, is, if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, uh, which are not gods? But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. And the key verse uh, that I want to look at this morning Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain or the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. We find God offering us this living water as we dig deep in him. But so often we kind of say, you know what, Uh, thanks Lord. But, you know, we kind of just turn our back on that. And instead we look to fill our lives and fulfill fulfill our, our hearts with things that just don't satisfy. In Canada, we've done that uh, so much. Uh, Lately, it's it's kind of gone to the point where uh, not only do we not, you know, seek the fountain of living water, but it's kind of like anyone who does or, or, you know, even the... uh, How can I explain this? Um, Basically, the the thought of that is almost, you know, politically incorrect that we're going to seek things and do things God's way. And uh, the Bible says that God is a jealous God in Exodus chapter 20. He says, "For I, the Lord thy God, I'm a jealous God. Not that he's like a jealous lover that's, you know, doing nasty things. But he has made us. He has given us a way to live. And when we live in a way that's outside of that, we cause ourselves great harm. And we see so much of that creeping into the church as well. Charles Spurgeon said this. I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world Has so much influence over the church. Now, does anyone dare to say amen to that? You know, do we find that the world has an influence over the church? Um, Perhaps we should just spend some time searching our hearts on on that one. But, and it's interesting because Jeremiah gave the analogy of of forsaking the fountain of living water and and hewing, uh, digging cisterns that can't hold water. And in our country, in our culture, this, this, um, the thing that, so much of our culture is, is seeking after, pursuing is not necessarily murky, yucky water as we had come out of our well. it's downright poisonous, toxic waste. you know And so so much of what we see coming over the, uh, the mass media the, the, uh, and so on is, is downright uh, poisonous. The mantra of the postmodern world is, no one is ever going to tell me what to do. I 'll do it my way. Anything in our culture goes except pretty much uh, anything that has a biblical message and a world view. Psalm 2, this, uh, you know, I've been kind of meditating on this psalm for a number of years now, and never before have I seen this kind of come to life right before my eyes. Um, Why do the heathen rage, the King James says, and the peoples imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. I mean, you know, you compare this, you have this in one hand and you watch the evening news kind of thing. You're like, oh man, this is going on right now. Like what in the world, you know? It's kind of like there's this posture of our culture, of our government against the things of God. And it, it's kind of like, you know, we don't want anything of God. We don't want to have any kind of bonds, any kind of limits of God in our lives. We're going to break those bands asunder and cast away those cords uh, from us. In contrast, Psalm 33 says this, blessed is a nation whose God is the lord and i was so encouraged as pastor danny prayed for our country friends we need to cry out to god for our land uh we just had our personnel conference in victoria and uh, here in manitoba we got a little bit of a bubble going kind of a bit of a holy huddle maybe (laughs) that kind of thing our friends in bc our fellow missionaries at places like hope bay bible camp on pender island um where it's, it's kind of the new age thing is, is the thing. You know, everybody's into the, the karma, the, you know, whatever, the whatever, you know. And anyway, so basically there, anything Christian is suspect, okay? And we see that kind of coming into other parts of our culture as well. Anything Christian is kind of taboo. And we've given the enemy so much uh, ground in the schools of our nation, in the political arenas, in the legal uh, realms, in the media and so on, And we need to get back on our knees and pray for God to, uh, yeah, for God to uh, awaken the people in our land and uh, turn our nation back to him. Uh, On our way back from Victoria, we had the privilege of stopping in um, uh, Vancouver and uh, spent some time with relatives in Langley, and they took us for a tour of Trinity Western University. And you're probably well aware that uh, Trinity in 2013 set up a law school and, uh, was that a year later they were rejected by the law societies in Ontario, British Columbia, and Nova Scotia, not because they didn't meet all the requirements of a law school, but simply because Trinity Western's stance is that marriage is for a man and a woman, for life kind of thing. And uh, so that's the issue the law societies had with Trinity Western's application. They met all the requirements, but uh, their stance on marriage was enough for them, you know, for all these law societies to reject them. Uh, The Supreme Court heard their case in late November, and the justices, at least uh, to my knowledge, I haven't heard that they've made a decision. I don't know, okay, Um, I at least have not heard that. And so uh, the Supreme Court is currently deliberating and will announce their decision soon. The fact that this is even before our courts is very, very disturbing. Um, And so I I guess I would just call you to pray in this matter and another one I want to share with you uh, that God is going to work in our land. Now, I don't know if, like I say, I'm kind of, I don't know if you kind of noticed the kind of the, the sharp left turn there as I went from talking about how we've kind of rejected the, the fountain of living waters and, and we're kind of digging our own cisterns and, and that kind of thing. And so I just, just wanted to talk, you know, uh, in the time that's left about what we're facing in our country as, as our country, uh, as, as our culture as well, has gone after this very, uh, this basically toxic waste that we see uh, kind of finding its way into, uh, into our land. So I would just uh, share a few prayer points as uh, these Supreme Court justices continue to deliberate uh, on this uh, Trinity Western matter. And um, uh, obviously the case is the people have presented. They presented in late November. And uh, so now these guys, I guess, are huddled to, to kind of contemplate which way to go with this. But uh, pray that the judges, that the Supreme Court would approach this case impartially and without bias, that God's going to guide them. Uh, some of these kind of cases can get really... Um, Uh, emotional and that kind of thing and and apparently it was pretty pretty heated and so on but pray that God's going to guide each of the Supreme Court justices pray for an outcome that will strengthen religious freedom in Canada and not weaken it and thirdly pray for the church in Canada that regardless of the outcome we would continue entrusting ourselves to him who judges justly um, this is a really pivotal case. Like the, the fact that, you know, basically here's a law school. The only thing they've done wrong is that they're, they're basically saying that, uh, you know, we believe that in the traditional view of marriage. So uh, i would just ask you to pray for God to guide our Supreme Court in this and other matters. And there's another thing I want to share with you this morning before I wrap up, and that involves the uh, Canada Summer Jobs Grant. And this really f- hits uh, our ministry quite a bit. Um, basically... Um, I, I'm not going to bore you with all the details here, but uh, most, most of this is your regu- regular blah, blah, blah kind of thing. But uh, point number three. Um, yeah, I think I'll, uh, okay, anyway, um, I'll just summarize it. I don't know if anybody, if you guys have, you know, 2020 vision, you might be able to read point three. But anyway, the point of it is, in order to qualify for funding under the Canada Summer Jobs Program, employers must attest that their core values respect... Basically, there's, there's two big things here. That their core values respect the murder of unborn children and the expression of a lifestyle that we're warned against in God's word. And uh, so what can we do as God's people, uh, the deadline for this application for, for places like Turtle Mountain Bible Camp and whatever, if they're going to get funding through this, those applications have to be in by this coming Friday. But in order to get that funding, you've got to check, bo- check a box that says, our core mandate is to support the murder of unborn children. And we, we support a lifestyle that's clearly commanded against in God's word. And so, you know, obviously this is in the religious community is really kind of creating uh, some waves. So what can we do? Uh, first of all, pray. Pray for, your, uh, pray for wisdom to do and say the right thing. We must, this is from the four C's, by the way, the Canadian Christian Council of Charities or something like that. We must continue to express our views in a spirit of peace, speaking the truth in love. Secondly, express your concern to the government through all avenues open to you, by letter, email, social media, and so on. And actually, um, our local member of parliament, Ted Falk, is kind of leading uh, the charge on this. And I uh, had Ted's office give me about 20 copies of a letter that all you need to do is sign your name, uh, put it in, uh, in an envelope and throw it in the mail. Uh, you don't even have to put a stamp on it. Send it to the employment minister as well as our prime minister. And uh, uh, now is the time for our voice to be heard. The forces go on to say that charities, including local churches, have every right to voice their concerns to government about the new policy. Doing so does not violate CRA, CRA guidelines, but register charities expressing their opposition to government policies that affect their charitable operations. I know that's a lot of words, but it's important to be respectful, yet clearly express why this new policy will have a negative impact on your organization. Number three, contact your Member of Parliament. Doing so is important and effective, every Canadian ought to be troubled by this development. The four Cs say to make government benefits subject to agreement with government ideology is beyond anything we have seen in our history. Again, this is quoting from the four Cs. To see this being done so blatantly is unprecedented. So, uh, my friends, I know this doesn't directly tie in with the message, but my challenge to you this morning is: let's let our voices be heard. Let's cry out to God on behalf of our nation. And let's let our members of Parliament, our Prime Minister, our Employment Minister know that this is a very disturbing uh, matter in our particular uh, country at this time. So, uh, to summarize some uh, prayer points, pray that God will speak uh, to our Prime Minister and the Minister of Employment about the dangers of of what they're pushing here, essentially forcing Canadians to bow to in order to access funding. Secondly, pray that uh, the eyes of Canadians would be open to what's really going on. Okay, um... I went uh, to this uh, uh, website yesterday just to kind of say, okay, how do they uh, describe this? And I'm not going to go into any of the gory details. So just to explain, reproductive rights, what they uh, refer to in this matter, is a sugar-coated code word for the murder of the unborn. They go on uh, to say this. The government recognizes that women's rights are human rights. Okay? Okay, that's fine. Um, This includes sexual and reproductive rights and the rights the right to access uh, safe and legal abortions, these rights are at the core of the Government of Canada's foreign and domestic policies." Um, Yeah, wow, very, uh, yeah, anyway, very, very concerning uh, matters in regards to what we're doing in our country and what we're forcing on other countries as well. Thirdly, would you pray for our Member of Parliament, Ted Falk, as he and his team are leading uh, the charge against this initiative. Fourthly, pray that God's people would be bold and vocal and unified. Now's the time to stand together against uh, this. And then finally, I would ask you, challenge you to write to the Prime Minister, to the Minister of Employment, and as I mentioned, I've got letters at the back table as well. So we have a choice in our uh, lives. We can live this politically correct, you know, kind of whitewashed, uh, you know, kind of... uh, way that that our culture would call us to live a way that's empty a way that's you know like it might be kind of peace at any price but it's empty it's it's vain or we can say you know what you know i'm going to live for god i'm going to dig deep into god's word and even though it's it's more and more opposed in our society i want to stand for god even to the uh, very end of time and my challenge to you is i challenge myself is to live for the lord regardless of the cost Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you are the fountain of living water. Thank you that as we dig deep in you, as we uh, spend time with you, just enjoying fellowship with you, as we uh, dig into your word and enjoy all your teaching there and and the expression of who you are in the pages of scripture, we thank you that you are that fountain of living water water. God, grant us uh, an increasing thirst for that, and may, as we dig into you and get to know you more, may the things of this earth, as the song says, grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. And Lord, as we live in a, in a culture, in a country that's just pushing this uh, toxic waste upon us, and upon uh, especially the children in our land, Lord, our hearts break as we hear this, as this, this opposition, as even the, the freedom to to clarify to people what uh, this word reproductive rights means in its essence, the horrible taking of life of the unborn. Lord God, we pray that you would just guide us into how to respond to these atrocities and help us to be people who stand firm in you. Lord, as this uh, government uh, summer funding is... Um, now upon us especially in this week we pray for great wisdom for unity in your people that we would respond in a way that pleases you but in a way that's loud and clear that lets uh, those pushing these initiatives know that this is not uh, uh yeah this is not of you and this is not uh legal within our land and so lord we just pray for you to guide us and have mercy on our land as danny pray too we pray for our prime minister we pray for our government leaders Lord, open their eyes to the danger of their ways. Uh, pray that you'd speak to, to each one of their hearts. And Lord, we look for you to do great things in our land. We thank you that uh, we have had freedom up to this point. We pray that you would keep this land glorious and free. In Jesus' name, amen.